Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the very first episode of the podcast. My name is Ali, and I invite you all to sit and psych for a while. Throughout the series, I'll be discussing various topics ranging from general mental health care to different theories and concepts in the field of psychology. If you ever have any topics that you would like to hear about, please do contact me. You can find my email in the information section. Every now and then, we will be doing a Q&A segment at the end of the episodes to answer any quick questions you may have. Anyways, thank you for coming in and hope you enjoy the show. So, I should apologize for not properly introducing myself. My name is Ali, and I am a mental health clinician by profession. I work a lot with dual diagnosis, which means the individual is struggling with both a substance use issue and a mood disturbance, such as anxiety or depression, and how substances can become a factor in someone's life if they're continuing to struggle with anxiety and depression or any other mental health issue. So the reason I decided to start a podcast is to be able to talk about the different things that we face on a daily basis, the different uh, mental health issues that a lot of people struggle with and looking at different avenues of dealing with them in a much healthier way, as well as just being able to discuss the different concepts of psychology and how they play a role in our daily life, just being able to better understand them and looking through different uh, lenses or perspectives and how that plays a role in our ability to process different things in different ways. So I guess today I just want to talk about the importance of mental health and knowing if you or someone you know is in need of therapy. And today there's still certainly a stigma that is associated with uh, struggling with mental health issues and seeking help for them. It has greatly decreased over the past years, but we still have some ways to go in our society to where mental health is fully accepted and integrated as our physical health. The question I always ask is, would you treat a dental or medical issue the same way? If you're suffering from severe pain in your chest, wouldn't you go get it checked out? Then why do we view mental illnesses in a different way. Many dictionaries define an illness as a disease or an unhealthy condition that affects both the mind and the body. Mental illnesses are far from abstract concepts and they very well affect both mind and body. The symptoms of anxiety, depression, panic, or even trauma alone can have a profound negative effect on an individual's everyday life and could to some points become paralyzing. So understanding how a mental illness can affect an individual's life is important in recognizing if you or someone in your life is struggling and could benefit from treatment. Depending on the severity of the illness, not only is the individual negatively affected, but those around them as well. I mean, we look at some examples where maybe a student who is... um, experiencing anxiety or depression, you may start to see a decline in their school performance as a result of experiencing anxiety in the classroom, not being able to pay attention, or maybe during an exam where they're unable to focus 
And that anxiety starts to become a self-perpetuating cycle where the decline in the school performance starts to feed into the anxiety or the depression starts affecting the individual's drive and motivation to do well in school and they start to lose interest. Similarly, we can see these symptoms translate into many different situations in different people. For example, an employee who is struggling to maintain their work performance. Or, for example, a parent who has to take care of their children and their families, but their depression makes it so difficult that they can't even get out of bed in the morning or have a hard time getting out of bed in the morning. And these things start to have a ripple effect on the family because whether it's the home environment that's not being maintained or maybe the family dynamics start to become negatively affected, the mental health issue that while affecting one person starts to have an effect on the entire family. So what are often the most commonly observed symptoms in an individual who is struggling with depression? Well, for one, you know, you would notice a low mood or consistently low mood where there's a feeling of sadness or um, maybe numbness in emotion feelings of irritability, frustration, and a loss of interest. So things that they typically used to enjoy and now they don't have that kind of passion or they don't have that same excitement for those same activities. Sleeping either too much or too little. Not having energy and just feeling tired all the time. Either a reduced appetite or an increase in appetite, feeling restless or feeling agitated or not wanting to do anything at all, just wanting to maybe stay in the house, isolating and not really doing anything. And maybe a lot of feelings of guilt or feelings of helplessness or hopelessness. Um, maybe dwelling on past events that have provided you with negative emotions in the past and you just kind of really ruminate on those situations. Uh, inability to concentrate well, feeling preoccupied all the time, thinking about those things. And in my opinion, one of the most severe symptoms would be when someone starts to have regular thoughts of death, you know, harming themselves and having a plan to do it, having intent to do it. And that's an indicator of severe depression. So when an individual is experiencing five or more of those symptoms with either depressed mood or a loss of interest, within the same two-week period, that should be an indicator that this person is struggling with some severity of depression. And another really important thing to be aware of is that this depression didn't just develop overnight. It's something that has been accumulating for a while, and it's going to be something that requires long-term treatment, perhaps. And it's not something that they can simply just stop doing or get over. And patience. 
it's important that families, for example, if there's someone in the family that is struggling with mental health issues or more specifically depression, it could be really helpful for the family to understand the different symptoms of depression, understanding how those symptoms can be exhibited by the person and how to best help them during those situations. Now, if we look at generalized anxiety and what those symptoms may look like, we typically see a persistent worrying or, well, an anxiety about a number of areas that are out of proportion to the impact of the events, meaning that the individual is allocating a lot of their emotions, allocating a lot of thinking to one area that may not necessarily have as huge of an impact as they perceive it might have. Looking at all the different worst case scenarios that can come out of a situation and overthinking every possible scenario. Perceiving things as threatening when they aren't. Not knowing how to deal with the unknown, the uncertain. You know, always unsure if the decision you made is the correct one and being afraid to make a decision because you may make the incorrect decision. Not being able to let go of that worry. Not being able to just relax and let things play their course. And at times just not being able to focus on one thing because there are so many thoughts going through your mind that you simply just go blank. And we really have to look at why that happens. Looking at the biological and the physiological results of anxiety, we can see how anxiety affects the individual. Maybe you notice the heart rate increases, the breathing becomes more shallow, and when we're in that state of mind, which can be seen as the uh, fight-or-flight state of mind, uh, an individual is more in a defensive mindset as opposed to a calm and collected mindset. When we are feeling threatened, we are likely to make more instinctual or less logical decisions. At that moment, everything seems to be happening really fast and it almost seems like there's not enough time to deal with everything because of how fast the brain is processing thoughts and just the amount of thoughts that are going through our mind at that moment. And with all the thoughts that are going through our mind, the mind goes blank because it's unable to think of the next step to take or the next decision to make and having to go through that on a daily basis has the potential to severely affect daily functioning so you've come to the awareness that you or someone in your life needs to seek mental health treatment what is the next step the next step can simply be just going online and searching for counseling centers in my area or mental health services in my area. 
or just asking if someone that you've known that has gone to treatment can recommend the place they've gone to or a place that they know of. Asking your primary care physician for a place that they can refer you to. And lastly, you can even ask your insurance provider for places that are within your network that they can also refer you to. So once you figure out a place that you like, the next step would be scheduling an assessment or just calling in to schedule an appointment. Most places or some places will have you um, come in for the first session and it will mainly just be getting to know you, getting all the information they need to determine you know, what approach or modality that would be best appropriate to help you. And every clinician can be different. Every therapist has a different style of treatment. And based on your needs, they may utilize a treatment approach that's tailored to your needs. So it's important to voice your opinions to your therapist, letting them know what you would like to get out of treatment, what you would like to benefit from therapy. And it's also very important to be as honest with them as possible. Being as honest as you could allows them to help you to the best of their abilities. Often the hardest step is actually making that call, that initial call anywhere that basically has you admitting that there's something in your life that you're struggling with and you are not able to deal with it on your own, that you're simply asking for help. And that's the main challenge. That's the main difficulty for people is that admission of I can't do this on my own. I need someone to help me figure this out. While others may look at it as a challenge, it's also a strength because it says you have courage. It says you have courage to admit that there's something in your life that you can't handle on your own and you need outside help. It's you saying that I need help to figure things out so things in my life such as my family or my career, my relationships, could be your education or your overall life satisfaction. So those things don't suffer. Those things aren't affected. And that takes a lot because if you're building a structure and at the foundation of that structure is your physical health, your mental health, and other parts of your life, if your mental health isn't stable, it compromises that stability of that structure you're building, right? Your life is that building. And as life goes on, you start to deal with a lot of different emotions, a lot of different events occur in your life. The taller that building becomes, the more structurally unsound it becomes. If the foundation is not stable and those aspects of your life that are really important can become negatively affected or are put at risk of being negatively affected by the mental health issues. So we go back to the idea of why is seeking mental health stigmatized? You know, if you were if you were sick, you wouldn't be thinking twice about 
Should I go seek treatment? But with something that's as abstract as mental health sometimes, as we see it, it doesn't take priority. It doesn't take priority over our physical health or other parts of our life. And it has such a huge impact on us. The symptoms we experience from mental health issues and the effects it has on different parts of our life are not at all abstract, as I mentioned before. And that's something we need to keep in mind for both us and those around us. With that, ladies and gentlemen, we will come to the end of the first episode of the podcast. Thank you for coming and thank you for listening. I hope to see you at the next episode. And I'm planning on releasing these every two to three weeks. If you have any ideas or if you have any topics that you want to hear about or learn about, you can email me uh, directly. My email will be in the information section below. And I look forward to hearing from you. In episode two, we'll look deeper into how to cope with anxiety in healthy ways. And we will also look at the unhealthy ways of dealing with the anxiety. So stay tuned and please follow our social media for more information regarding releases and news. Yeah.